0: The thing with professional gambling, it is a very thin line between being a genius and being a complete degenerate.
1: Welcome to Props and Hops, a podcast pursuing the best in betting and beer and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matt Landis. Thank you to those of you watching us live on Twitter and YouTube. And for those of you checking this out in podcast form, thank you for listening. It's a day of firsts here at Props and Hops. First time having on a pro betting group in this show's history. And it's the first live interview for our special guests today. Pisky and Full Dog of Banfield Betting Group. Guys, welcome to Props and Hops.
2: How's it going, Matt? Great to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us, uh, Matt. Uh, the nerves are uh, a little iffy right now, but uh, like I said, pre-recording here. In about seven minutes, I should be good to go. So <laughs> we'll absolutely, have
1: I'm sure the time's going to fly by, and let's start with a, a bit of a softball to uh, to get some of those nerves out of the system. Would love to kick it off, getting a bit of your guys' backgrounds, both as individuals and as a betting group, so that people can put a voice to the name. Pisky, let's kick it off with you, and then Full Dog would love to hear your side of the story as well. But Pisky, why don't you kick it off by telling us about your background in betting?
0: Uh, all right. I got, a, I got some script notes here, so uh, I'll uh, stay close to those out of the gate. Uh, The Full Dog and I got started in the sports betting industry back in 2003. Uh, We were both looking for summer jobs, and uh, one of our buddies uh, let us know that a new place on the Native Reserve, uh, right next to where we grew up, was uh, hiring for summer summer jobs. Um, We grew up just outside Montreal, and uh, so, yeah, we decided to apply. He said it had something to do with sports. So we, uh, <laughs> we showed up to, to, this, to this place on the reserve, and uh, lo and behold, it was a sports book that was hiring. And the sports book was BetUS, and they had just moved from Costa Rica to uh, Ganawage, uh, again, the native reserve outside Montreal. And uh, I remember our first, uh, <laughs> our first question, I guess questionnaire, was a list of every single uh, sports city for major sports, be it uh, NHL, NFL, NBA, MLB. And we had to write the monikers right next to the uh, city names. And if you got those all right, you got to go on to stage two, which was learning all the different types of bets. So uh, that's where it really all started. Um, I worked there until 2006. And uh, at that point, I said, you know what? This is a dead-end job, and I want out of here. So I left for Ontario, well, Lo and behold, here we are, uh, <laughs> what uh, almost uh, 20 years later. It was not a dead end job, the full dog stuck with it. He'll give you his side of the story in a little bit. Uh, but I went to uh, Ontario, I did some schooling in uh, Belleville, Ontario, Bell Vegas, which is probably the city that is uh, the most unlike Vegas. I have no idea how it got to the nickname Bell Vegas, but uh, yeah, that's that's where I went to school, and then. I was uh, hired as a um, sports analyst, a sports betting analyst for the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation. Uh, So I was responsible for making the odds for their ProLine product. Um, And I did that for 13 years to the day until um, the other guy that you see on camera here talked into my ear and said, yo, Pisky, listen to this. He goes, "Uh, I've been studying your data at uh, the Lottery Corporation and... uh, I want you to leave the lottery corp and i want you to start betting against them and uh i said what are you talking about but i know the full dog is the numbers guy right he can uh he is a dangerous individual on the betting floor um and uh so i said okay give me more details he basically said leave your job we're going to bet against them and i did so and uh the rest is history we've uh We put quite the boots to the Lottery Corporation over the course of last football season. And uh, that's when I started Banfield Group full-time. I started getting involved with the social media stuff. I've been loving it every step of the way. Uh, Very much of a rookie. So again, I apologize to anyone if I am stumbling uh, out of the box. But yeah, the the Instagram, the TikToks, uh, I've fallen in love with it. And now it's just about telling our story and giving tips and tricks along the way. And uh, obviously making bets. Uh, when the big man calls out the plates the plays sorry
2: um so yeah full dog i'll hand it over to you um me well like he said we started in 2003 so been in this for 19 years now i did till 2007 in canada for bet us during that time i created their prop department their live department stuff like that that was was non-existent at the time i ended up taking a job moving with them down to costa rica when they decided to get out of the Ganowaki gaming reserve and come back here i came back to costa rica worked for them here for another 11 and a half years until i eventually finally left to just do this full time about four years ago
1: i've got to say thank you for your work getting props up and running at bet <laughs> i have the honor of working with pro bettors las vegas chris and scott kellen I was hosting the BetUS NFL show this past season and uh, to this day trying to find the most optimal way to uh, cling to that account and extract as much value as I can uh, while trying to keep everybody happy. And let's just say a prop (laughs) that has been discussed often on this show during NFL season, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. Uh, If you want the best pricing these days. Bet US probably one of the best books to consider. So I'll just leave it at that for now. Um, but it, when it comes yeah, to they, props... They, or... use,
2: um, they use a standardized list, and I don't think it's changed
1: in the last 10 years. So. All right, well, uh, let's not tell them that scoring has increased and with more <laughs> touchdowns comes better odds of one-yard touchdowns. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see if that holds true this coming season. I feel like every year when NFL season is about to kick off, right about this time every summer... I get a little bit anxious to see, okay, are are my couple of books still offering minus 110 on 6.2 team teasers going to keep the price there or are they going to jack it up to get more in line with the market? Are some of these props going to stay the same or is pricing going to get corrected, make things more efficient, make it a little bit tougher to win? Um, For you guys, I know that's got to be nothing new and it's probably year round because as your shirts say, as your podcast is titled, always betting the slogan of the Banfield group, it sounds a lot like living the dream in a sense, but I've got to ask. It's a lot of work. Yeah, exactly. To that end, what are some of the most overrated and also perhaps some of the more underrated aspects of being part of a professional betting group?
2: Well, I'd say um, people don't understand the hours that have to be put in. During football season, I'm in front of my screen Shit, I don't even know per week, but at least 12 hours a day, Saturdays and Sundays is 16 hour, 18 hour days. There's not much time for life during football. So I that's why recently in the last couple of years, we've concentrated more on the football and basketball seasons and we've sort of eliminated baseball, which we used to do, just to try and give ourselves a break. Because okay. yeah, it's it's very hard to do it year round.
1: It's it's quite the grind, so I hear you there. I think it can sound more glamorous from the outside. Not that it's not a great career if you know what you're doing. Um, as much as people might think it sounds like the coolest thing in the world, Full Dog, have you found anything that from the outside might be underrated when it comes to the perks of being part of your own betting group?
2: Well, we were anonymous for a long time, so nobody really knew who we are. You got anything <laughs> else on that
1: one?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean...
0: Um underrated is uh I guess just doing what you love. um we uh you know there's there's been a lot of people that have asked me lately that you know what is your dream job? and uh, my honest answer is I'm doing it, right? Uh, we fell in love with the industry at a very young age again, back in in two thousand and three, um just. You know, when, when you – we were big sports guys. We've become less big sports guys, believe it or not. Uh, the full dog doesn't watch a, a sporting event. That's, he, he just watches – if it's a big game, he'll watch box scores. That's that's how he watches big games, like the Super Bowl or something. Other than that, we don't watch very much. I do it just for the content aspect. But, um, yeah, going, going back to 2003 – like, as soon as we walked into that office um, and, and you know, everything is sports and just the, the money involved and and you're dealing with different action at different time from different players and different walks of life. It just the whole industry itself has, has really fascinated us. And uh, again, we, we started as um, bookmakers and have slowly, slowly progressed into uh, professional betting. Right. We started seeing. Little things in the markets where we're like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And, you know, slowly but surely started throwing money at it. Uh, we still consider ourselves to be timid, right? Uh, given the size of our bankroll, uh, we don't bet nearly as big as we probably should. Uh, but that's just who we are. We we like taking it easy. Um, you know, the bets are still big for, for the average bettors, but... Um,
1: yeah, it's it's again a slow process and a slow grind. So better than the other way around if people get overextended, it can diminish the odds of staying in the game to reap the benefits of positive variance that, you know, comes through when you can make it through the other end of some tough times that will inevitably come up if you do this long enough. Oh and- yeah, we've we've
2: had losing projects and Ugh numerous times <laughs> uh, there, is about, <laughs> there is one thing about learning experiences there's one thing
0: about the banfield groom. i'm gonna let you group i'll let you guys in on a little secret every single project that we start whether it be in sports betting or outside of sports betting it is completely garbage out of the gate it tests us like you like never before <laughs> every every single project that we do we stare in the eye of the barrel, basically, and uh, you know I, it just feels like it's the gods telling us, like, "Yeah, you guys think you're smart, you think you're cute, uh, betting full time. We'll, we'll see, we'll see what you're made of." Um, and yeah, we, we we are able to fight through it, but uh, again, it is not easy. It is not easy in
1: the slightest. <laughs> Let's dig in on this just a little bit further because, as I recall, when I discovered your podcast, I had to go back to the beginning get the origin story. And I believe you saying Pisky, that you guys almost threw in the towel being met with that brick wall of negative variance seemingly right out of the gate. So when it comes to the mental game of sports betting, what advice would you share to listeners of this conversation? Oh, Christ.
0: Well, I'm still learning. Um, I'm the guy, if if you can notice, the the gray hairs are coming in fast and furiously. Um, I'm the guy that does all the worrying for us. Uh, The full dog is like the, the, the stone cold killer. Uh, whether we go on a heater for four straight weeks, five straight weeks, whatever, or whether we lose, uh, we'll take you back to the 2018 basketball season. Um, we uh, we went out to Vegas. We decided to make a presence there to give ourselves some more grocery stores to shop at for lines. Well, the NBA did a little thing uh, that uh, completely i guess for lack of a better term screwed a lot of our um algorithms and databases uh they changed their shot clock um offensive shot clock so when you get an offensive rebound the shot clock was basically cut in half so we knew scoring was going to increase a little bit because of that we didn't expect it to increase what full dog north of 20 points 10 points points? Yeah, yeah 10 points a team so 20 points a game So as you guys are going to notice during the football season, when I start posting uh, some of our live plays uh, on our, on our Instagram, um, just for entertainment purposes, it'll be really tough to get the the same line we do. Um, We like the unders, right? A lot of our numbers, a lot of our databases tell us to go under. Um, Well, it completely shattered all those things. And so you had the full dog living in Vegas full time. Um, You had me bouncing in and out and we were losing out of the gates. Um, and it was a stressful time, and we we're like, "What the fuck?" Because the thing with professional gambling, it is a very thin line between being a genius and being a complete degenerate, right? So a few times, the full dog and I have had to look each other in the face and going, "Are we idiots? Are we? Are we actually idiots? Or are we doing something like positive here?" Um, anyway, we we. We were able to write the ship, and I think the year ended up uh, breaking about even, uh, which obviously is a loss in our books because you never do all this. You never put the man hours in to lose. Um, but, yeah, it's, just, it's another reminder that this journey that we're on is called always betting, not always winning.
1: Well said. And as you mentioned, often looking toward unders rather than overs, I'm reminded of a recent conversation uh, that got some headlines across gambling Twitter A guy who's pretty well known, Simon Hunter, appeared on Ross Tucker's Even Money podcast as a guest, and at some point during the conversation, they were talking NFL futures. He, too, mentioned looking toward unders rather than overs, as I recall. But as part of that overall conversation, I think a lot of questions were also raised about exactly what a betting syndicate is or isn't. And with you guys here, I'd love to ask, you know, what would you describe as the DNA of a truly successful betting syndicate when it comes to how many people are involved and what kind of roles are being filled? Because I think there are a lot of different stories out there and I figure you guys can help set the record straight as well as anybody else.
2: Yeah. It it really depends on what we have going on. Some years we have more people working with us than other years. Um, Some years I have guys feeding me picks, different handicappers for certain sports I have a full-time guy here in Costa Rica that works with me named Bean. He's been on the podcast. You probably heard him. Um, Last year when we were running the football thing in Ontario, we had to hire a team of like 20 guys to pull it off because of the limitations of $100 per store per person. So we had to hire a whole crew. It really depends on what project you have going on that
1: particular year, how many people and how difficult it is to manage. And for anybody who's listening to this, who might be more of a recreational better, trying to improve but not working with a group, with your experience within syndicates, is there anything that you think would also transfer well to an up-and-coming better who's you know doing a lot primarily by themselves but still looking to improve?
2: The main one, as probably a lot of people have said on here, is just get a lot of accounts. Getting 5, 10 cents better on every game is going to make the difference for some people. That could put you from being a losing gambler to a winning gambler. And always shopping for the best line, those half points, all those things are going to help you in the end. And that's probably the easiest one for anybody to do. You can open up numerous accounts across different countries. and
0: Yeah, it's we live in a time right now that it has never been easier to line shop. right? You yeah. can set yourself up from the comfort of your own home, especially if you're living in Ontario what there's, I think, what full dog, 20 plus um, retailers or operators, sorry, in, in the province of Ontario, they might even be up to 30 plus now. So from your boxer shorts, you can sit in front of the computer, open an account every single place. And I always like to dummy it down to shopping at a grocery store. Imagine you could sit there and do your groceries and open a bunch of tabs. And okay, let's say you're trying to buy apples. Well, just go to the cheapest place that has apples, right? Why would you give more money just to play at a certain sports book? No, you always look for the cheapest prices. Um, another thing that that I would recommend, and the, the full dog has mentioned this a few times. This is a lot of what I try to put out on, on uh, TikTok. My job is to extract knowledge from the master's mind and share it with all of you, whether it be TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, wherever. Um, but the full dog says... We, uh, actually let me back that up a second we started everything by noticing um arbitrage opportunities and middling opportunities in live betting and um and and just basically book to book right when you shop around you can notice uh arbitrage opportunities if you document those arbitrage and live betting middling opportunities if you document everything you're going to start to notice patterns and When you start to notice patterns, that is an absolute game changer. And that's how the Banfield group started. And, you know, I I don't wanna give away too much, but if you do that, again, that is advice from the master himself. Document your arbitrage and your middling opportunities and you're gonna see something there, guaranteed.
1: And when it comes to arbitrage, I'd be curious to explore that a bit further because as I understand, you can often spot two lines where you can lock in a profit or you can identify the bad line and you're not guaranteeing yourself a profit, but long-term the expected value probably going to net you a better ROI. So what's your guys' philosophy when it comes to arbitraging purely to lock in a profit versus trying to maximize long-term ROI if you can just spot the bad line of the two and solely bet into that one?
2: When we were first starting out, we did the lock in a profit. We really didn't know a lot. So we would just lock in trying to build our bankroll as quickly as possible at the, at the easiest pace, right? We, don't wanna, we didn't want to take losses. That's why we were middling, trying to minimize losses and just grow the bankroll. Nowadays, if I see an arbitrage opportunity, I only play the one side. Because like you said, the return on investments way better playing one side of the, the, the field. But you have variance in that. Yes. Which you have to deal with. Always betting, not always winning. But you gotta you gotta
0: you gotta think of the long term, right This, this is a long game that we're playing here folks. This is not uh, let's get rich overnight. It doesn't work that way.
1: And before it was always betting, you guys touched on your experience on the other side of the counter. What would you say are some of the top crossover skills when you consider your experience bookmaking and how that applies to your experience now as betters?
2: Well, most of what I learned was from bookmaking. When I went in there, I didn't know what a teaser was. So when I started working at bet us through players that we had, I learned about middling. I think it was spanky. He taught, he had an account with us and he taught us the value of a couple cents. And over time, these are the things that I turned into our betting crew. Yeah. Okay.
0: Going, uh, going back to the, to the spanky comment. Uh, it's funny. I, I met him in person for the first time at bet bash in April uh, were you there as well, Matt?
1: I was. I don't know how I didn't run into you guys there. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to make that right in person at the next one. But yeah, yeah. continue with your, your Bet-2 experience from this past April. Great,
0: great event. Great event. Honestly, uh, I tip my cap to, to Spanky and the crew that put that together. That absolutely shocked us and really you know, gave us the confidence to keep pushing with the content and putting it out there that we are betters and we want to share our journey. Um, that was an amazing uh, four days. We had a ton of fun with it. But uh, the spanky thing is, uh, yeah, when I was working at BetUS, so again, early 2000s, I used to get calls. I don't think it was from him because I don't recognize the voice, but I think it was a member of his crew. And basically what he would do is just middle. He would tell me, you know, right, I I am laying 115 with you on this call and I am taking plus 25 uh, at another bookie somewhere else. And you know, it took me a while to figure that out, but I'm like, holy shit! So we go a ways, a ways back with Spanky, and uh, again, we used to—I used to talk to him on a daily basis, or his crew member. And it was really cool to to finally meet him. Christ, almost 20 years later, and uh, yeah, again, uh, that bet bash thing. If anyone out there, if you want to start taking your betting a little more seriously, come join us for the next one because uh, that is a really, really great time.
1: Yeah, off the charts as far as any sports betting event would go in my book. And I've been fortunate to befriend Spanky over the past year or so. So I've got to ask him myself at some point soon. But when you mention he would straight up tell you that he was middling and telling you the line he was getting somewhere else, I would think he doesn't have to do that. It might give you guys an edge to find out where you're wrong on price, and it could diminish his odds of winning through BetUS or any other account. Do you think he did that more just for, as he would say, going in the front door, having strong relationships and trusting that anything he might be possibly risking with his edges, it was worth it to have a strong relationship with you guys to maintain the longevity of that account? Or or why do you think he would disclose that or any better might disclose that kind of information?
0: Uh, I think because he knew we were teenage punks at that point. <laughs> yeah, we were just clerks at right? that point. So yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, we, we didn't have a bankroll, uh, and and we were, I, I'm sure he could tell that we were rookies in the industry. Uh, I really didn't understand the strategy until much, much later, and, you know, he's playing two, three, four dimes at a time, five dimes, whatever it was, maybe even up to ten dimes. Christ, back then we were working for 13 bucks an hour. So our bankroll was like, like $10 was a big bet for us. Right? So I, I think probably it was that. Um, and another thing, um, that office that we worked at hosted a lot of credit shops. So uh, there was the post Bet US people, right? That was straight up. You have to sign up through your whatever. You sign up KYC, whatever, whatever um they also uh, were a call center they provided the services for a call center for a lot of credit shops so credit shops is basically if you're a bookie in new york and you don't want to answer your phone taking uh, sports bets you put it on to a call center we were that call center so Maybe him giving us that info, he knew that we weren't associated with the bookie that he was dealing with, because we weren't. We were just simply a call center taking the bets. So, you know, he's, he's a very smart guy. There's no denying that. Um, I'm sure he knew that we weren't a threat, and that's why he uh, let us in on the secret.
1: Love it. Yeah, I'll have to make sure that Spanky hears this part of the conversation <laughs> and uh, already can't wait for the next bet bash as you described the experience from, oh, it's crazy, already more than three months ago. Um, but yeah, that was like yesterday. <laughs> that was an all timer and I feel like I just got my voice back, so maybe I should cherish it before I lose it all over again at the next one.
0: It was uh, it was rough, especially after what, what was it? Four open bars, I think, during the course of the the four days um by the time we got to the championship game that that's probably you know the easiest time to to meet people i was done at that point because i did the speed uh speed networking which absolutely crippled me Uh, i love to talk but that was a lot of talking and um yeah uh, by by day four i i was a write-off i was hiding in a little corner just trying to catch the game and not throw up basically
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I can't imagine how quickly the time has passed, going from the college basketball title game to here we are at the doldrums of summer. No major sporting events taking place today as we record this, the afternoon of Wednesday, July twentieth, post MLB All Star Game. And I'd actually like to touch on something topical related to the All Star break, going back to the home run derby. So on Monday evening, I posted a Twitter thread after Kyle Schwarber uh, perplexingly did not advance past Albert Pujols of all competitors in the first round and I, I tried to pay attention um knowing there's no Don Best screen for all this but I saw openers for Schwarber head-to-head versus Pujols Schwarber was priced at about minus 265 to advance past the first round right off the bat uh, by the time the market closed right before the Derby began the line was about minus 475 most places I could see it being offered and I know the home run derby is a very inefficient market, especially relative to anything in the NFL. Will spreads, totals, money lines. I wish I had been more clear on that on a comparison I made in my Twitter thread. But I've got to ask you guys when I when I think back to even a small market, an opener of minus two sixty five, a closer of minus four seventy five. I felt like people who were early to bet Schwarber made a great bet. It just so happened to lose. Um, I got some pushback saying, "Hey, the bet lost, so therefore there's no way it could have been a great bet." Uh, I think I know where most professional or pretty experienced betters would stand on this, but how would you break down the possibility if you think there is one for a losing bet to, at the same time, still be a great bet?
2: Well, if you can beat the closing line by that much, that it was a good bet, one way or the other. Obviously, laying 475 at the end wouldn't be, but laying the 260, that it was a good, it was a good wager at that point.
1: Yeah, I, I guess anybody who laid 260 wished they would have known that Pujols was going to get an extra break before his bonus round. And A nice <laughs> event with a bunch of players coming and surrounding him, paying their respect, but that bought him an extra minute or two that Schwarber didn't get to recover between his swings. And then the controversial thumb on the scale of Schwarber possibly having a home run not properly counted that would have advanced him anyway, so... Always be careful with exhibitions like this that aren't rated in the box score. If you're listening to this, it's not going to necessarily get you the most fair result. uh, But that maybe magnifies the point even further that if you're going to bet, try to lay the best price that you can. So even if it does go against you, you're mitigating your losses. Again, maximizing your chances of staying in the game to overcome any negative variance.
2: Yeah, and usually on those smaller events, if you can beat the line by that much, they'll win more often than not. So. But you're
0: yeah, but like we said earlier, you're not guaranteed to win, right? But what you're trying to do is um, again tip from the full dog. Concentrate if you want to win more in sports sports betting. Concentrate on losing less, which means lay you know laying that two sixty five instead of laying four fifty. Full Dog, you actually did something uh, pretty special on the hun- home run derby. Uh, you sent out a play in our group chat, first of all, and he never does that because he knows that I post it right away. Uh, but I was on the road, so I wasn't able to post it. Uh, why don't you share with everyone what you saw on uh, Mr. Soto?
2: Oh, I ended up playing Soto, but that was simply because I saw the line get smashed down at the buzzer. I don't know if you picked up on that line movement, but he he went down at Beck Chris down to – Plus two seventy five or something before the right before it tipped off, and they were offering a no market, and I was still able to grab plus five fifty outside.
1: So, Jeez, yeah. good find, yeah. Just line yeah. shopping, finding creative ways to yeah. to get in play. That's a lot of this isn't necessarily having a hot tip or a certain but... angle on the game. <laughs> yeah, just reading the market, paying attention to the odds is is one of the best ways to win. And with Soto, it's interesting because uh, not to get too inside baseball pardon the pun, but when he was going somewhere, I think he was the third of the four first round matchups to go and he was going through his first round when the shadows were really creeping in and it seemed like he was having a hard time picking up on the ball and he still did enough to advance, but um, his first round was you know, nowhere near as impressive as it probably would have been otherwise. I don't know if people are handicapping such a small market in that much depth, but if you can ever get a read on you know, West Coast All-Star Games or Home Run derbies. The shadows playing a role, um, you know, even little things like that. It's it's not the most glamorous tip. It doesn't guarantee anything. But things like that, things like just watching the screen, um, I feel like often can separate the long-term winners from the long-term losers when it's just all about small edges that can accumulate over yeah, time. Uh,
2: if I'm not in, like I said, for football season, I do 12-hour, 16-hour days. If I don't do that, we won't have a winning season. It's all about watching line movement all day. I know where everything is, where everything's moving. I wake up, it's the first thing I do. It's the last thing I do before I go to bed. <laughs> I have to know where every game is at all all times of day. And from there, you can price
1: everything else. When you not mentioned... A... Oh, go ahead, Disky.
0: I said not only before he goes to bed and, and when he wakes up. Um, I've gotten messages from the full dog. Uh, I wake up to like seven, eight unread text. I'm like, oh, fuck, what's happening here? um he said yeah i couldn't sleep so i decided to jump on the computer and check out some overnight korean baseball or korean basketball i think it was (laughs) And, uh, and i'm like what in the fuck he said yeah i think there's something here and he's giving me all this analysis of like oh this place had this this place had this and this is the kind of guy that i work with this is this is the full dog at his core so um yeah examples like that just highlights how dedicated he is and uh Again, he's good at what he does because of things like that, right? The guy wakes up in the middle of the night
1: and trades Korean basketball. Jeez. And and with that level of commitment to the grind in mind, Full Doc, I, I've got to ask, I wasn't planning to throw this out there, but I'm just having this thought. First thing when you wake up, last thing before bed, most of the day in between, sometimes even those hours between going to bed and waking up, this is still going on. I, I understand that it takes a serious commitment to win at this at a high level. And at the same time, I wonder if there are perhaps diminishing returns at a certain point after so many hours. Um, some people might find a benefit in breaking away from the screen and just getting outside or doing anything else, maybe recharging a bit and feeling revitalized when they get back at it. How do you try to strike that balance of fulfilling the commitment that it takes to win while doing this, and at the same time trying to keep you know physical, mental health, personal relationships in the best place that they can be, especially in the Sports calendar really picks up once football kicks off.
2: Well, that's sort of why we had to go down to just football. Basically, I tell my wife there's four months where you're not going to see me very much, and she understands what needs to be done. And um, but yeah, you, it's it is hard to keep a good balance of everything. We try and really enjoy the off season. Let's just put it that way. So we've had parties down here in Costa Rica with where we've. Bring in all our friends from Canada and throw a one-week bash and just to keep it keep our brain off of sports like a hundred percent of the time.
0: Yeah, we 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 like to keep it light, and that's some of the uh, some of the amazing contacts that we met at uh, Bet Bash have said to us. They're like, "You guys are unique because a you don't take yourself too seriously, and a lot of people I think in this circle do. Um, and you guys have a lot of. It seems like you have a lot of fun with it." and absolutely that's exactly what we do uh we make it an emphasis to to have fun and to, to share our experience be goofy with it at times um yet yeah, you have to you have to because this is a high stress environment uh when shit's not going right uh it is really annoying it, it, it really tests your nerves um Another thing that I know the full dog does, like again, he does these things he doesn't even really notice them. I notice them because I'm from afar. He lives in Costa Rica. He's a walking distance to the beach. Uh, so if things are going sideways on us, things aren't really clicking, he'll simply take a couple days off, right? He'll go spend some time at the beach with the familia and and recharge, have a couple cervezas, and uh, come back to the table. And then he's fresh. And yeah, that's- the problem
2: is when things are going good, it's I forget about them completely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's that's actually the thing, right? So, okay, you mentioned, you know, physical, mental well-being. Um, it's probably more difficult when things are hot because, you know, that's the times you forget to eat, you forget to sleep, you forget to, you know, tell your wife I love you, whatever. Um, yeah, that that's when when things are really tough. And then, obviously, you know, you, you got a really important key to sports betting professionally is you got to keep an even keel. And, again, I'm, I'm still learning – Full dog's a stone cold killer, but never get too high when you win. Never try and get too low when you lose. Right? Professional athletes do the same thing. Um, we had a couple. We had a really good week a couple weeks ago. I tried to bring it up in the podcast with the full dog, and I got six words out of him.
1: Yeah, pretty good week. Whatever. It's a system. Whatever. We continue
0: going forward. That's it. <laughs>
1: I like it. And I I think of something you mentioned, Pisky, as well, having a couple of surveys from time to time, maybe take off the edge, help maintain that even keel. Of course, all good things in moderation. But I've got to take a quick break to work in the hops to this conversation here on Props and Hops. Uh, I know that uh, a couple minutes ago you opened up a bottle of something that sounded good, looked pretty good. Uh, (laughs) Tell me for a moment what you've got in your hand right now.
0: Yeah, I uh, I apologize if that was a disturbance, but not I at all. If you guys can see this, I don't know. I got the uh, blurry screen thing going, so I don't know if you can see it. But, anyways, this is I'm into the sour beers. Uh, that is that is my uh, that is my go-to. Um, so this is a Jelly King, and Jelly King is uh, provided by or produced by a local brewery here in Toronto. So I'm going to give you all, since this is props and hops, we got to talk about the beer too. I'm going to give you all a tip on how to be um, a true Torontonian if you're ever in the city. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to Bellwoods Brewery. It's on Osington Avenue here in Toronto, downtown. And you're going to go pick up a six-pack there. I recommend the Jelly King if you like sour beers. It is fantastic. And you're going to take a short walk over to Trinity Bellwoods Park. And that's what people in Toronto do. You grab a six-pack, you go in the park, you sit down, you crack the six-pack, You you sit in the sun, uh, there's people throwing around balls, there's music. It it is almost like a music festival. And during COVID, that was the place to hang out. Like We weren't allowed to go anywhere. Obviously, everything was shut down. If you went to Trinity Bellwoods Park, you would think that you're at uh, Woodstock, essentially. Uh, It was packed with people. They tried to mitigate, uh, uh, I guess, everyone being together by drawing circles in the park, which was really bizarre and weird. But... Anyways, it was a weird time, but yes, that that is what you got to do. Jelly King, Trinity, Bellwoods Park, and it's called Bellwoods
1: Brewery. Love it. I will put that high on my radar for a future trip to that area, and uh, I will let you know I had set aside something a little bit lighter, uh, maybe seasonal. It's called Baseball Lager. I've mentioned a few times on the podcast in the past, it is made by Highland Park Brewery, which is in the shadows of Dodger Stadium, so a great spot pre- and post-Dodgers game, or in the case of this week, any all-star festivities. They actually call it a sports lager, basically just a really easy drinker, but a little bit elevated from, let's say, your Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Lights of the world. Um, If you guys have either tried the style uh, a Kolsch, it's a German-inspired style. Not a lot of breweries make it. It seems like it's having a bit of a renaissance. Um, Seems along those lines a little bit bready, just still super refreshing, 5% ABV. And uh, I like that it's so light because as I record this from L.A., it's about 90 degrees outside. I'm three hours behind you guys, so still got some of the day ahead of me. This won't put me in a bad spot, so I'll take a moment to crack it open.
2: Beautiful. I actually brought one, too, but a local tra- traditional beer, Costa Rica, Imperial. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> I, I can't speak of it the way you guys speak of beers, but it's a great beer.
1: <laughs> it tastes good. It hits the spot. Hey, it's that's the what counts. spot in the sun. Exactly.
2: And
0: cheap, you can get them That's down cheap. at the beach for what, two bucks, three bucks? Yeah, it's what, well, incredible. Awesome. Uh, the well, the the a a b v is it a b v? Yeah, a b v. Alcohol uh, by
1: volume. Gotcha. Yeah, That's a five point
0: six on the Jelly King. So eh, a little bit of a slip. Not not quite uh, in the IPA range where some of them can get really <laughs> spicy. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's an easy drinking beer. Uh, great in the summertime.
1: Love it. All right. Well, cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, that's nice. All right. Want to also make sure to talk about a place where you can do um, plenty of drinking as you want. But first and foremost, I know you'll be prioritizing other things. You guys have a Vegas road trip coming up. I'd love to hear all about it. For starters, I know you've teased it on the podcast, on social media, but for some of the listeners who may be unacquainted, the Betmobile might be the coolest thing about all of this. So I would love to hear more about that and how you guys are going to get out to Vegas.
0: Um, Yeah, okay. I'll give you guys uh, details about the Betmobile and the full dog since he planned the whole thing. He'll give you uh, details of the stops we're going to make on the road trip. So, uh, because uh, we're not really betting with the uh, Ontario Lottery Corp out here, the angles that we had dried up. They changed their system in February, so we don't bet with them anymore. The damage has been done. Uh, the full dog and I put our heads together at Bet Bash in Vegas and said, okay, dude, like, what are we going to do next season? Is there really a point of me being here in Toronto anymore? Uh, we came to the conclusion that there isn't really much of a point. So he's like, what about Vegas? Like well, I love Vegas, first of all, um, and uh, I said absolutely for content purposes, uh, it is going to be outstanding. Uh, there are so many, obviously, the city of entertainment. It is going to be uh, is going to be really special. So I hope you guys are all ready for uh, some excitement on that regard. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that. Like I'm not just going there to be the selfie guy, right? Uh, I'm like, Full dog, can can we use outs in Vegas? And he said absolutely. He's been licking his chops, uh, trying to get uh something going at the Westgate and Circa uh in Vegas. Those are the two big uh places that we have our eyes on. And also there's the uh football contests that are going down. Uh we really enjoy getting the into those, and uh, again, it's going to be great for content, so that's another thing why we have Vegas on our radar. But yes, we are going to Vegas, we are driving there from Toronto. The full dog's going to come up here from Costa Rica. Uh, we're going to jump in the Betmobile with the Godfather, who is our third party of our, of our podcast. Shout out to him, uh, he's been a great addition. Um, he was uh, an odds maker with me at the Lottery Corporation again for 13 plus years, and uh, he's basically my second dad, and uh. We have a great relationship i love ruffling his feathers he loves ruffling my feathers so it really gives a great element to our uh to our podcast um but yes uh my dream is always to have a jeep wrangler and i could never justify it because i don't believe in spending north of 50 grand on a on a vehicle um but the way i was able to justify it is uh i said let's turn it into the banfield mobile uh at the time we didn't have the betmobile as a cool name uh, one of our friends that we met at Bet Bash, uh, shout out to at plus EV analytics on Twitter. Uh, he, he's a great guy. He's a fellow Torontonian, um, a really, really smart sports betting dude. Uh, he gave us the name, the Betmobile. Uh, so we, we've run with it. And yeah, basically what we're going to do, um, we've already started. Uh, we basically got a tire cover for the back that advertises our podcast uh, we just got the license plate in, uh, the license plate. We had a lot of people on, on TikTok and, and Instagram help us out with, with, the, with the license plate. We settled on We Bet 247 I think that's perfect. It, it explains what we do. And uh, next step, uh, which will be completed this coming Friday, so stay tuned on our social media platforms, will be the decals. We're getting decals put all over it, the Always Betting, the Banfield Group, the nice big uh, B-Shield that you guys have seen here and here. Um, and then we're jumping in that thing and driving all the way to Vegas and we're making pit stops along the way. I think the full dog has it planned out that we're going to do 10 days and I will turn it over to him, 10 day trip. trip. Um, so yeah, full dog. I Uh, think we
2: have during that (laughs) trip, we're hitting St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, uh, Kansas, Denver, Albuquerque, Flagstaff all along the way. And we're going to be hitting baseball stadiums. I think I scheduled in three or four games. MLB plus one minor league game. Going to go check out Albuquerque. Nice. (laughs) And we're going to be hitting casinos along the way. I want to go check out Blackhawk in Denver. They have the Monarch Casino, which is apparently a, a solo operator that doesn't kick people out. That operates like Circa, so I want to go take a look for myself. And Blackhawk has something like 15, 17 casinos in that small area. It's sort of like Biloxi, if you've ever been. So I just want to see what it's like, and maybe for next year, that'll be where we're
1: we're stationed. But during the drive down, we're going to be checking out casinos and hidden games. That sounds like it's probably going to be one highlight after another. Also, (laughs) some pretty random stops sprinkled in, so I like the variety there. Uh, what would you guys each say would be one thing you're most anticipating as part of this road trip from Toronto to Vegas?
0: Uh, for me, um, me being the content guy, this is this is a gold mine because, uh, I, you know, I don't I don't get to, uh, I, I guess, put the camera on the full dog too much. Right. He's more in the shadows and he likes it that way. And I can respect that. Uh, But everyone online is asking, you know, uh, Pisky, you're great, but we want more of the full dog. So it'll give me an opportunity to get uh, him involved in some of the content. And uh, the Godfather is a star in the making. Honestly, uh, this guy is going to be an internet sensation one day. And it's my job to put him there. Um, But no, he's he's hilarious. Uh, And the three of us together, I know there's going to be a lot of laughs. I know we're going to eat very well um, because we love doing that. And uh, yeah, again, just, um, just, you know, the clean slate, have some fun, get the smiles, get the energy up for the football season, because I know once September starts, goodbye weekends. And uh, things are intense at that point. So we might as well, uh, you know, go in there with a lot of good energy. And yeah, (laughs) and that's, that's what
2: the goal is. The thing I'm looking forward to the most is I just want to check out all the sports betting across every state. I see how everyone's doing it differently and, haven't really had a chance to go into the States and examine what everyone's doing since there was the COVID
1: lockdowns and testing to get in and all that stuff. I haven't been back in a while. So, As you talk about wanting to check out the sports betting options in every state, it makes perfect sense to me now why you are steering clear of California, my home state, <laughs> <laughs> not a whole lot to choose from these days. And I'm curious, probably part of the impetus for this trip is you guys touched on uh, the state of access to getting down in Ontario I know during bet bash Ontario came online with regulated books. What has that experience been like for you guys and and how would you say it ultimately led to the plan to spend becoming NFL season in Vegas instead?
0: Um, well the Ontario thing because it started up in April, we haven't really dipped in too much um, you know there's been a lot of monitoring we've kept our eye on everyone Um we, we've seen more and more operators come to the province, which, which is outstanding. Uh, but I guess for us, um, again, we, we, have, we have people that help us out, right? Uh, so Ontario is easy. We know a lot of people here. I've, I've spent the last 15 plus years here. Um, I It's great for sports betting in general that everything's here, um, but we actually have a little bit of a tear in our eye because as I said in the intro, um, the lottery corporation out here, my former employee, they used to offer uh, a sports betting product that was so easily beatable, uh, that, um,
2: it was static lines. They couldn't change. It,
0: it, it was static. Line. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. static. They had wide, wide lines, um, but they were static. They couldn't move and they were doing things they shouldn't have. And, um, uh, it just it presented so much opportunity for us here at the Banfield Group. So we're a little sad. We're a little emotional that that's gone now. But moving forward, yes, there are a lot of operators. We plan on picking on all of them, and uh, we're going to see. And, again, another big part of our content. It's not just, you know, Pisky gro- goofing around. Uh, we want to shine light on how Sportsbook treat their players, right? A lot of times we get into it on our podcast um, because we see things surface on Twitter of players being mistreated, uh, sharp bettors being kicked out after five, six, seven, eight bets. Shout out to BetRegal. And, you know, I, I don't feel like there's a lot of people that really understand what goes on in this industry. It's a one-way street, right? If you are deemed successful, your business is not welcome. Now, us being you know, veterans in the industry, we have little ways around that. It is a cat and mouse, us versus them type of game. But yeah, we want to shine light on the fact that these books, uh, you know, are so happy to take your money, but as soon as they start paying out, well, then there's a big fucking problem and that's, that's not cool.
1: When it comes to being in a position to collect from books in the first place, that can be an uphill battle for a lot of bettors. And I like that you guys generally will focus much more on process and strategy than any specific points that, to your point, if you're giving out picks and then lines move, people can't really follow very effectively anyway. So without putting on the spot to disclose anything that, you know, wouldn't be right at this stage, with the trip to Vegas being designed around the NFL season, is there any light you can shed on any angles you might be looking at? I know there are contests as well, but maybe to start any angles when we're looking at point spreads, totals, and so on, uh, that somebody who's trying to improve at this endeavor might want to keep in mind when NFL season kicks off.
2: Uh, know your key numbers. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> an important Know, know one, your percentages yeah. that things are going to land 3 and 7 because that is it's so key in this.
0: Absolutely, it is. Um, another, another, I guess, key is <sighs> I, I heard this. I, I think it was on your podcast, Matt, um, earlier with um, Christ. I forget his name, but he was at Bet Bash. It was about five, six episodes ago. Uh, he owns a brewery in North Carolina. Oh, Zach White. Zach White, yes, Zach White. He's a sharp better, guaranteed. I can tell by the way he talks. He is very sharp and, and knows what he's doing. He uh, he made mention of something that really caught my attention, um, and I, I absolutely agree with. And I know the full dog will will as well. Uh if you're just starting out, don't come in and, and expect to beat NFL. NFL is probably the most efficient market on the board, right? Um a lot of a lot of people love it because it is brilliantly marketed, right? They have the whole fantasy aspect, which is amazing. Uh, but it is very difficult to beat the NFL, right? Key in on things that bookmakers aren't really paying attention to. That's my advice. So you know what I mean? Division two college basketball, division two college football, uh, times quarters, uh, props, uh, shit like that. Because, you know, as the full dog can tell you, as the, the absolute professional bookmaker that he once was, um, you don't have time to pay attention to a lot of the derivatives uh, on a college Saturday. Right. So that's where they're more likely to make mistakes. And that's where you can take advantage of the mistakes. The, the, the game line on a Monday night football game, good luck. That that is as as sharp and as efficient as you can get. So my advice again to new to new betters would be pick on markets that um, the bookmakers are weaker on. That that's where you're gonna beat them.
1: I feel like every week. I bring somebody on, somebody says something that reminds me of the logic of sports betting. One of the best books any up and coming better can read. And it touches on their point of trying to find, you know, the biggest possible attack surface. The more options you have, the better you can do when you're picking your spots. So I think that's well said. Bulldog, I think you were about to jump back in as well. Um, Yeah, I lost my train of thought there, what I was going to say on that one. Let me, while you try to get it back, one thing you mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago was knowing your key numbers. And I know three is the king of key numbers in the NFL, seven right next in line. Yeah, I believe three lines about 15% of the time. Yeah, and and I'm curious from your standpoint, um, you'll have a more objective viewpoint on this than I will. I'm a Chargers fan, and that can be a very painful existence. It's really exciting (laughs) these days, but... We've been excited previous Julys and seen how it turns out come January. But with Brandon Staley on the sidelines now, going for it a lot of the time on fourth down, increasing variance. Coaches like Mike Tomlin seemingly go for two on a whim. That can add a lot of variance to the distribution we see in margins of victory. As we see the league in general have an uptick in teams going for it on fourth down, attempting two-point conversions if they score a touchdown late in the game when they're down by 14. Um, are there factors that you think could be affecting the value of key numbers in the traditional sense, such as three and seven, or is that still something that you think most betters are overlooking rather than overthinking? They, it might affect it slightly than going
2: forward, but over the course of a season, most of the time, if someone goes for two and they miss the other team's going to go for two, you know what I mean? Like to make up for it to try and tie them and usually end up still landing on your threes and sevens by the end of it all the percentages might have dropped a bit i have honestly haven't checked last season or the season prior seasons
1: but it was a steady 15 percent for a very long time got it understood well that's yeah i think especially considering things like teasers a select few books still offering minus 110 you know even minus minus 120 (laughs) i think is a is a Fair ceiling. If you find a team, you know I I don't like to tease the Chargers because I feel like Staley. I don't fault the logic of trying to play to win. And if you lose by three or you lose by thirty three, what's the difference? You know, I believe it was Week Five last year. He was going for it deep in his own territory against the Browns early in the second half, and it sounded crazy. But there was a drive that you know if if they just punt the ball back and give up a score, the game's probably over. Mid third quarter, Chargers end up winning that one because of some gutsy decisions that could have led to a blowout loss if they had caught some negative variance. so not always just teasing every single team as if they're all the same but if you can cross through three and seven for minus 120 or better uh, you know I, I talk about it a lot I'm sure that's going to be a major talking point this season again so I'm right there with you on key numbers uh, anything quickly come to mind for you guys when we think about contests again don't want to tip your hand in any way But when it comes to presumably entering Circa Millions or the Super Contest at the Westgate or something like Circa Survivor and the unique structure they've got there, is there anything that you think a lot of people who will be entering or a lot of people just following from an entertainment standpoint, kind of making their own picks, living vicariously, uh, any, any thoughts on the strategy there that a lot of people might be failing to pick up on?
2: I look for games that are moving... Um, against the public. So if the public's laying seven and the thing's going down to six,
1: those are generally your stronger picks for these type of things. Got it. And then Pisky, when when you guys are in Vegas, are you just going to be racing around submitting everything? I, I would take it that between the two of you guys being based in Vegas. Probably no proxy needed, and that would be a nice plus relative to a lot of other competitors in the contest. Even just having more time to get your picks in versus having to meet a proxy's deadline well in advance of games kicking off.
2: No, exactly. That is going to help big time because we did it. We entered like six years ago, and we used a proxy. And yeah, they have a way earlier deadline than is actually necessary. And you can get a lot of info in those last 12, 18 hours extra or whatever.
0: Yeah, you definitely want to go closer – to the closer to the buzzer, the better. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's that's actually going to be one of my jobs. So you guys will be able to watch me uh, do it. Uh, I don't know when the picks need to be in every Thursday or something like that, but I will have a set schedule that, okay, i got to go to the Westgate to, to put our picks in and whoever else that uh, I'm proxying for. Uh, I'm excited for it. Again, it just adds to the content and just – shows what goes into this and the journey and I just find it so unique. Uh I know I know we're not the only sharp bettors I know we're not the only sharp group, but I just don't think there's too many out there that are publicly sharing the story. And that's something that, you know, has been a goal of mine for a long time. I, I said, I know, god damn it. I know we have a unique story to tell and I want to tell it and uh the full dog when uh, when he he told me it was time to leave the OLG. He finally said, uh, "Okay, do your thing. Let's uh, let's roll with this and let's see what we can turn it into." And uh, so far, so good. And uh, we'll see we'll see how it plays out during the football season. But uh, yeah, really looking forward to it.
1: As you touch on going public with your story, I'd love to dive more into content with what you guys have going on with the Always Betting podcast and across all your social channels at Banfield Group. For a lot of sharp betting groups, the number one goal, or at least a a very high goal on the list of priorities, is to protect anonymity. So I've got to wonder, I I know we're not using full first and last names here, so there is still some element of anonymity, but overall, you're sharing a lot more than other professional betting groups out there. So what would you say would be your goals of going public?
2: I honestly (laughs) want to educate people, just give them a better chance of winning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Tips and tricks is something that we share. Uh, again, uh, there's a lot of people that just don't really understand what we're doing um, that harass us for, for betting picks nonstop. And uh, again, this is just a reminder to everyone. The picks are your job, right? I'm going to do my best to extract as much info as possible from the full dog and and share it in fun, exciting, interesting ways and uh yeah we we have not shied away from that we we share tips and tricks that have helped us get to where we are today uh another goal again is to shine light on the fact that if you're good at this it is a one way street books will kick you out and then you like this is this is a, an FYI to every book in ontario or vegas that plans on kicking us out um come september and 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 going forward i know it's going to happen and you're damn right we're going to scream and yell about it because uh it's it's time to change there has to be a level playing field here it can't be a one-way street um so that that is another goal and um another another big one is is just to have fun with it again uh a lot of a lot of People are very serious about sports betting, very secretive. There's still a secretive element, right? We're not coming out and telling you, hey, we're doing X, Y, and Z and we're making X, Y, and Z. No, that's not going to happen. We very rarely talk about how much we put on games, you know, uh, how many bets we're making. I'm going to share stuff on Instagram and our stories and stuff like that just out of entertainment. So you guys can cheer it in with us. I'll be at sports books, ca- catching games and whatnot. But yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of lot of different things. Um, again, let me let me check my notes here because I feel like I'm going off track a little bit. Um, tips and tricks of the trade, uh, sh- shine light on the one way street that the industry is. Have fun is a huge one for us. We love to have fun. Um, making connections is another one. Um, again, shout out to Plus EV. Uh, he he's been the main guy. He was the first one that we met out of Bet Bash and. Uh, I have the privilege of being in a group chat with the full dog and at plus e at plus ev analytics on Twitter, um, and I watch them go back and forth. Go back. It's quiet now because it's baseball season, but they just go back and forth and back and forth. And our strength is the Banfield group. We have a bookmaking background. We know how sports books operate. We know where they're weak. We know when they have backup crews in. We know when they're going to be shit at second halves. That's that's really our major strength. A guy like Plus EV, this guy's a math genius. So when you combine him with our experience, like watch out, like it is it is gnarly. I I don't do a lot of talking in this group chat. I feel like it's a little bit over my head, but watching these two go back and forth has been incredible. I've learned a ton. Um, and the last thing is, I'm sure you guys can tell. I hope you guys can tell on this on this podcast, we're real. We are truthful. We are not here to bullshit anybody. We are not telling lies. We are not throwing out that we pick 70% winners and you got to follow it. No, no, that is all garbage. This is a grind. It is difficult. We're good at what we do, but always betting, not always winning. But you guys are going to get a real genuine experience of what goes into this and the highs and the lows. And, you know, when the full dog's pissed off, you're going to hear about it. You're going to say, like, the guy hasn't responded to my text messages in fucking six hours. I don't know. He's pissed. Um, But, yeah, I, I feel like the industry needs that because there's so much bullshit within the confines of sports betting. And we're trying to clean that up.
1: As you talk about being genuine and really prioritizing, having fun in the middle of all this, yes, it's a grind. Yes. It's serious with big stakes on the line at times, but I I really appreciate the way that you guys are doing this again, through the podcast, through social media, even the branding, the shirts and hats you guys have on now all the Betmobile images you've shared. And I'm sure there's plenty more to come. Something that stands out with the way you've been sharing a lot of this, uh, with just your color scheme for your merch or the way that you design your videos online. A lot of black and white color scheme with your content just tell us about that
0: yes the black and white content uh we've got several questions about that and i like to make mention of it as much as i can so what that is is um again the full dog and i have been doing this a very long time and because sports betting was so taboo right for so many years now it's cool apparently you know every 30 seconds you get a sports betting ad here in ontario (laughs) It is, it's out of control and it's weird because we've been in the shadows for so long and now, holy shit, it's cool to be a sports bettor. But for so many years since we started this, we've always been considered the gray area guys, right? They bet on sports, they do weird cash transactions, like, you know, they're, they're kind of shady. So when we started our Instagram account way back when, we were just fucking around, we were putting uh, stadium pictures on it, which I don't know, for us, it's cool. Um... I started posting them in black and white and then we we ended up getting a few compliments about it saying I I love the black and white content. I'm like, oh, okay. So it sort of just stuck from there. But, yeah, the meaning behind it is we are the gray area, guys, and uh, that's how we roll. So everything's black and white.
1: Love it. It can be so hard to convey nuance or any complexities within the confines of a tweet or a TikTok video or an Instagram story. But even just using that color scheme to set the tone in a way can go a long way. As we wrap up the content segment of this conversation, for betting content creators that are out there trying to grow with their own social media presence, what advice would you guys have when it comes to the balance of doing enough and trying to do as many things the right way as you can versus sometimes just doing too much and finding the right balance when it comes to every person's own bandwidth as well?
0: My advice would be just be real. Be yourself. Uh, A platform like TikTok, uh, I've fallen in love with. Um, You know, I've always had my eye on social media, but we were never that type, right? What we do is kind of in the shadows and, you know, you post a picture every now and then, whatever. But TikTok, TikTok really stuck out to me because the bullshit is gone, right? You can be yourself on there. You can talk about the most random shit. As long as you're being real, you will be successful on TikTok. So yeah, my my recommendation to anyone is just tell it how it is, be a hundred percent genuine. Um, and you know it's it's easier to do, first of all, because you're being yourself, you're not putting on an act, and our industry, sports betting, it needs it, it needs genuine, it needs people who are gonna express you know, sure, talk about your highs, your big wins, and stuff, but talk about the lows as well, and talk about how, Jesus Christ, this is tough. This is really tough. Um, I think I think that's lacking, and and if you can do that, again, I don't think there's too many people out there doing it, and that's that's really uh, how I've pounded the rock in our our content uh, area.
1: As you talk about not shying away from the lows. A quick story, it reminds me this past weekend, uh, I, I just realized, even as somebody who myself, I, I've gotten to know so many sharp people in the space. I've been so blessed to have you know great experience, great relationships, build a really strong network, and still have to realize it as much as I try to be objective and logical and, and make sound decisions all the time. I'm not immune to the pitfalls of a novice better, and I don't think any human can escape it altogether. I mean, so you guys know I am part of a Twitter group that had a tip when it seemed pretty likely this past Friday morning that Brooks Lee was going to be the number one overall pick in the NLB draft. Uh, I had to first look up who is Brooks Lee, what event is this referring to. By the time I got to it, I was a few hours late to check the messaging thread. He had gone from a pretty big underdog to a prohibitive favorite And I I fell into the trap of making a bet out of FOMO. And I made a smaller bet because I I knew that the line had moved against me. But instead of just letting it go and and being at peace with making good bets when I can and passing when there's nothing good, I laid 3-1 to on this guy to go first overall. And hours before the draft, he goes back to a massive underdog. And you know it's dead before the draft begins. I think he went 8th. So I was dead in the water because I laid a lot of VIG, betting out of FOMO. And I think that a lot of people, to your point, Pisky, love to post the winning tickets. Um, I hope that a lot of truly professional bettors and really well-seasoned people won't make the kind of mistake that I did very recently. But it still happens, even for people who win over time and are, you know, pretty good at this overall. I just think nobody's immune, and often there's a better reception to that kind of vulnerability than there is to somebody who's just bragging about one winning ticket after the other.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. you gotta, you got to understand that this is a long game. Right, if you're trying to beat the books, you beat them. It's it, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So if you you hit a parlay or you do something on a weekend that is spectacular, you 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 know you you bet really well. Um, it's not about that one weekend. And uh, again, I, I I learned a lot just from the full dog because he refuses to get excited. He whoops it up a little bit. You know, once we get to Super Bowl time and we've had a good season, you know, he'll 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 uh, he'll he'll get a smile on his face and and puff out the chest a little bit but aside from that no uh like we could go five six seven eight weeks in a row and win and crush um i know there's a stinker coming as does a fold up we've been doing this long enough that again it's there's highs and lows and you just got to make sure that uh you stay focused and again never get too high when you win never get too low when you lose and for, for, for chasing odds like that, we're, we're victims to it, too. Um, for myself, I, I, I control a lot of what we do on the cryptocurrency field. Uh, there's been many a times that, you know, like, oh, hey yeah, let's you know scoop some Bitcoin right now. It's, it's hot as uh, fucking lava, uh, only to come crashing the other way. So you want to try to avoid that. But, yes, be patient. Patience is a virtue in this game
1: absolutely well i'd like to weave in one more pillar of the show before we hit the home stretch it's the Molinsky minute as a nod to the late great sports betting legend david Molinsky. Uh, big presence out in vegas i'm excited you guys are headed to his old stomping grounds and this will be a fun one uh, dave not only knew so much about sports betting Um, But everything from local, you know, food and music, beer, wine, and spirits, he was so well read. I I feel like he got more than the same 24 hours in a day that the rest of us get because it was unfair how much he knew about everything and how well he could relate 10 out of 10 knowledge on any topic to somebody looking at it from a 1 out of 10 on that same scale. But as I think about your guys' upcoming trip to Vegas, and I know on a recent podcast episode uh, on the Always Betting Pod You talked about some of the stops on your road trip and I believe like some good food stops came up as the course of that conversation went on in Vegas. One recommendation I've got to make if you guys haven't heard it already, if you're receptive at all to Thai food, Lotus of Siam, Mm -hmm. world-class Thai food. I was fortunate to get there during Bet Bash. I've been back there since. I plan to be there (laughs) next time I'm in Vegas. Uh, Living there for a few months, it could get dangerous trying to almost get in there too often. But yeah, I wanted to throw that out there and just see if there was anything else related to the Vegas food scene that David Molinsky just had mastered so thoroughly. Uh, Lotus, any other Lotus of spot-
2: Siam was actually shown to me by another professional
1: sports better. There, there. Yeah. There, there you go. go. Uh, yeah, there you go. Shout out to Uncle Leo. Pro tip right there. Is there anything else you guys are eager to try anything high on the radar uh, to get out of the Vegas culinary scene that perhaps you weren't able to check off the list and uh, your your Vegas day during bed Bash.
2: I look forward to Craft every time I go, and we didn't have time to do it last time. Yeah, that's the
0: Craft Steakhouse in the MGM. Uh, Tom, uh, it's a Koyako or something. I don't know. I'm butchering it, um, but yeah, that's that's the Banfield go to for uh, if we're doing a nice steak dinner. Um, just to back up a little bit, uh, yeah, um, my my heart and thoughts go out to the Malinsky family. I used to listen to Dave. Um He did a radio show here in Toronto. It was on the Fan 590. 590. It was the morning of uh, NFL Sundays. So when I was working at the Proline office, uh, I'd usually start around, I don't know, 11 a.m. And uh, there was a show on the radio that would just talk NFL Sunday betting. Um, uh, great show. And he was a regular member on it. I think he was even part of it at one point. Um, so yeah, heartbreaking that he is no longer with us, but uh, I definitely listened to uh, Dave a lot, um, in different episodes of of that show, and uh, yes, very, very insightful individual. Uh, as for the food scene in, in Vegas, uh, we've had our eye for like the last three years, honestly. This is this account, um, carried us through the pandemic. It's called Unlocked Vegas, U N L O K T. If anyone's going to Vegas and wants some good ideas for grub, for food, um, this Instagram account is absurd. Uh, There are so many different venues and areas that you can go. And the best part um, that we like about it is they're all off the beaten path. So us being regular visitors to Vegas, we've seen everything on the strip. We've done it a thousand times. Enough is enough with that. So there is, um, w- yeah. When we go to Vegas now, it's all about off strip. You know what? Where can we find the hidden gems? Uh, so that's another part of our content that you can look forward to. We will definitely be digging into that. Uh, Capos. My girl my yeah. Uh, <laughs> you ever been to Capos, um, Matt? Capos, no, not okay. yet, but oh, now man. I now I
1: think I'm gonna have to.
0: Capos is off the beaten path. Uh, it is a speakeasy. And if you're into... So we we like to do, uh, just because of, uh, well, The Godfather being one of them. He he is a mafia movie. We call ourselves a crimeless family. (laughs) So uh, we're not involved with the shady shit, uh, but we like pretending that we are. Uh, But one of of our favorite eateries in Vegas is Capos. It's a speakeasy. And uh, if you like mafia and that style... You gotta check it out. Honestly, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil anything because there's a lot of shit that goes into it. Um, but I'm telling you, if you're into anything mafia related, uh, yes, do the mafia museum in the afternoon and then go there for dinner. I'm telling you, ten on ten, you will love it.
1: So I think I misheard it at first. I haven't been there, but I heard it from a previous guest on the show. Really sharp, pro better, especially when it comes to props and markets like that. Uh, Tommy, the hitman. I had him on prior to Bet Bash. He was also there. I'm not sure if you guys had a chance to meet him, but he recommended. Uh, he pronounced it Capos. I still haven't been there, so okay. I don't know which way is right. It sounds like you guys have been there a time or two. So happy <laughs> to uh, to defer to right. you guys on that front. But yeah, yeah. C A P O apostrophe S. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, it sounds like it is absolutely to die for, and that was the best thing that I did not get to experience on my food checklist during Bet Bash. So hopefully have a chance to write that wrong sooner rather than later.
0: His pronunciation is probably right. We, we butcher everything that we talk yeah. about. <laughs>
1: Terrible names.
0: Yeah, but yeah, right. it, it's really cool. And there's actually, um, for anyone that, that is interested in the place, there's, I think there's a Bar Rescue episode yes. available of it on uh, YouTube. So check that out. It's pretty cool.
1: Yes, Hitman recommended it as well. So hearing that from now all three of you, uh got to think it's about as solid as they come. Well, guys, I want to make sure as we near, geez, almost an hour, 15 minutes. Thank you so much for the time. Need to be sure to plug your work before we wrap up so that people know where they can follow you if they're not doing so already. The Always Betting Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, a great weekly listen, BanfieldGroup.com. On social media, whether that's Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, at Banfield group that's the handle across the board. And I'll say a must follow. For the inside scoop on the lifestyle of a pro betting group from vegas this upcoming nfl season pisky full dog anything i'm missing or anything else you guys would like to add no, i think we've covered everything
0: yeah th- matt this was a lot of fun again this is our first time uh so i i feel much more comfortable now that we're at the end of it uh but this was a lot of fun so i want to thank you and uh, all the viewers uh for you know taking the time to uh to listen to our story and uh Yeah, we're going to provide as much content as possible so you guys can get uh, a real genuine view of what it's like to uh, be betting full-time.
1: Love it. Well, I want to fully wrap this up by also thanking everybody for watching and listening to this conversation. If you've enjoyed it, the number one way you can support the show, share the video on Twitter, or if you're listening in podcast form, go ahead and take just a few seconds, leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, In fact, while you're at it, go ahead and do that for props and hops, as well as the Always Betting Podcast. Pisking Full Dog, once again, thanks for all the time and insight. And uh, hopefully, there might be a chance to catch up in Vegas this season or in person again at some point before too long down the road.